You're listening to the Pac-12 Conference of Champions Delve into the 12 podcast. You heard the music, you heard the voice, so you know what that means. We are back with another episode of the Pac-12 Football Delve into the 12 podcast. Once again, I'm Spencer Jarvis, and today is Wednesday, December 16th, and a very important day. To help me explain why today is your favorite rec league thug. He recently got ejected from his last basketball game where he stormed off the court in frustration only to return back into the gym and curb stomp the ref. If you saw the video of the high school football player in Texas assaulting the ref, his assault was very similar, just not caught on tape. After getting ejected, he went to a different gym and committed to leg day for the first time in his life. He's done nothing but complain about being sore for the past four days. It's Jake Mordew. Jake, how are you today? I'm good, man. The curb stomping the ref thing, that's a possibility. But the, mm. the leg day thing, that's you, my guy. Ooh. Yeah, it is. It is. I'm not going to lie, guys. did leg day. It's been a fat minute. I got to hit Braden up to uh, figure out how to not be so sore. But uh, glad to be here. So, For most of you devout college football fans, you know today is LOI Day, December 16th, where recruits sign their letter of intent on where they'll be playing football come next fall. Because of this, uh, today we want to speak a little bit about recruiting in this college football holiday. Uh, we, we decided to record on Wednesday rather than Monday or Tuesday for this reason. So we're going to start off with some notes about today's signings that are worth mentioning. Due to time constraints, though, we're not going to touch on every single team. Uh, we're not going to be able to cover everything, but let's get down to it starting with the recruiting rankings. Uh, in first, you got Oregon, then USC, California third, fourth Utah, fifth Washington, UCLA 6th, Arizona State 7, Washington State, Colorado, Stanford, U of A, and then Oregon State rounding it out at 12th. Um, with that being said, though, the, all of these are subject to change. A lot of recruits still have not signed. February uh, First week in February will be the last day. I believe it's February 2nd that recruits will be able to sign. So I fully expect this uh, these rankings to change. Um, but let's start off with Oregon coming in at first in the Pac-12. Jake, take us a little bit through Oregon and their LOI day. Uh, they had a big day. Mm. They're number six in the country on their in recruiting, and man, we were as we were just going through the the some of the recruits. Man, Oregon has owned Utah and Arizona recruiting. Man, they have seven of their top recruits are out of Utah and Arizona. Yeah, that's rough for. For Utah and Arizona yeah. and Arizona State, you got the the Desert Ducks is what Oregon calls them. O- uh, Oregon out of Utah, they get Kingsley Sumatea out of Orem High. This Oregon team also got Noah Sewell last year, who was clearly seeing playing time for Oregon. So that Orem High in Utah producing some good talent that Oregon is just scooping right up. So big recruit for for Oregon coming in there. Another receiver they got in uh, Troy Franklin, wide receiver. That's huge. Um, and then Ty Thompson, quarterback out of Mesquite. That's is that Arizona? That's Arizona's top player, right? I believe so. Yeah, top player for Arizona coming out of Arizona. It's quarterback out of Mesquite and Chandler. I fully expect to give Tyler Shug a run for the QB position. This guy's done nothing but excel in his high school days in Arizona. He won another state championship for Mesquite. Uh, coming back, coming from behind to win another 4A state championship. Big guy, 215 pounds, six foot four, and very smart. He comes in at a 98 ranking. And I, yeah, yeah. Sorry, there's some nice uh, QBs coming into the pack, though. There's Jackson Dart yeah. out of Utah going to USC. I 
I wouldn't be surprised to see him give Keevan Slovis a run for his money. Yeah. Got Peter Castelli going to Utah from California, just flip-flopping there. Yeah. And uh, with Cam Rising going down, I heard he came early to Utah. To He might give him a run for his money as yeah. well. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk a lot about quarterbacks for sure. Um, with that, This past year, we saw a lot of new quarterbacks get the start. Um, that they, that didn't previously last year. Dylan Morris at, at U, uh, Washington. That could be short lived. That, that, that I think so too. We'll jump into that. Yeah, that would be. For, yeah, yeah. Uh, jumping into USC as well. They they pulled out. Uh, sorry, Oregon. Sticking with Oregon. Oregon pulled out 16 four stars and five three stars for a total of 21 commits. Oregon obviously getting it done. Like Jake said, 20 or sit number six in the country. Um, so huge for Oregon. Moving on to USC, 12 four-stars, including Jackson Dart, big quarterback out of out of Corner Canyon High School in Utah. This kid threw for 67 touchdowns and four picks. <laughs> I mean, just put up video Unreal. game numbers. Corner Canyon, obviously one of the best high schools in Utah, just produces talent. Probably the best uh, high school coaching staff yeah, in Utah. So that, that's huge for Jackson Dart. So it, it, no secret on how he put up that good of numbers. But, again, you can't overlook those video game numbers. Very good quarterback. I fully anticipate him to give Keaton Slovis a run for his money. But don't count out Miller Moss. I got another quarterback who comes in with a higher rating than Jackson Dart. Yeah. So I think Keaton Slovis with, obviously, Pac-12 freshman of the year last year. Good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. Um, not as good of a year as I thought he would have. So to bring in two guys over 95 ranking – uh, 95 overall. I think that's huge. Yeah. Both both quarterbacks fit in with that USC type of offense as well. So, but you know exactly what that's going to lead to as well is these transfer portal dudes. Mm. I would not be surprised to see at least one of those dudes in the transfer portal next year. And yeah. uh, man, ASU especially is big on the transfer portal this season. Yeah. USC 12 four stars, eight three stars for a total of 20 commits. I don't think USC is done. There's still one guy who he signed his letter of intent today, but he is not. Uh, he won't announce till January 2nd in the, I believe it's the Under Armour All-America game. It's number one rated uh, defensive end and player in the nation who had Clemson, USC, and Arizona State in his top three. It, top five, he's also got Georgia and LSU, but I think it's down between those three. And uh, gut feeling and everything points to him sticking around in California. He's from Corona, California, Centennial High School. Corey Foreman, again, I think this guy will commit to USC and give USC its only five-star. I think they'll obviously move up in the rankings with him committing yeah. to USC. They're already 13 as well. Yeah, yeah. so that's huge, huge for USC. Don't count ASU out yet, uh, but before we jump into ASU, ASU also signed a couple of DNs uh, with this LOI day. So... Could that be foreshadowing Corey Foreman going to USC? Probably. I, I would have Corey Foreman going to SC, but we'll see. Moving on, California, 18 commits, four four-stars, and uh, thirteen or 14 three-stars, including uh, J. Michael Sturdivant, wide receiver out of Texas, Jermaine Terry, big 6'4", tight end, and Maven Anderson, wide receiver out of Mission Viejo, California. Cal, I feel like, hasn't been doing too good of a job recruiting, so it's good to see that they're third on this list. I do think that will change. I think Washington will probably, and possibly Utah, will pass them once all is said and done in February. But Cal could very well get it done and uh, bring in some big recruits. So Yeah, it's unusual to see Cal that high. It's uh, different to see that for sure. I was, I was shocked when I saw that. Yeah. Uh, let's move it on over to Utah. What you got on Utah? 
So they got um, that that kid Peter Castelli that just mm-hmm. came in, like I was saying earlier, and they got they got a pretty high rank as well, number twenty nine in the country. They got a bunch of California kids coming in, Ethan Calvert mm-hmm. out of Oaks Christian, and then like I was saying earlier, Peter Castelli is out of Mission Viejo. Yeah, their other their other four side that they got Mason Tufaga, inside linebacker from uh, Honolulu, Hawaii. So. Utah, again, with that being said, Utah, they still bring in 14 three-stars, and I've mentioned this a couple of times on the podcast. I really respect Coach Kyle Whittingham quite a bit. It seems like every year he brings in a ton of three-stars. Every now and again, he'll get a couple of fours and a couple of fives if he's very lucky, but he'll bring in these three-star guys that work to his offense, and he just gets it done. I mean, you see them compete really for the past quite a few years uh, against most of the other teams in the Pac-12. So I think that goes back to how he recruits, though. Yeah, that He's an old-fashioned football coach. Mm. He likes offensive line, defensive line, and running backs. Yeah. If you watch the Utah games, uh, the running backs go straight to wit after, after, they, uh, after the drive is over. Yeah. And so I, I think he puts a big emphasis on that, and I think that's why Utah has had so much success in the Pac-12 um, so early on, because I think a lot of people did not expect them to have this such success. I didn't personally, but I no. think that's a big reason why. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how this plays out for Whittingham uh, moving forward. Coming in at fifth, uh, Washington, only only team in the Pac-12 with a five-star commit. I've mentioned his name in multiple times again on this podcast. They got the number one quarterback in the nation coming to them out of Kennedy Catholic High School, Sam Heward. Comes in with a 99 rated uh, ranking, and he'll be their top commit ever. Sam Hewer, I believe, is their top commit ever. Let me, let me. No, they got Shaq Thompson and, and Reggie Williams. Uh, I'm, I'm curious now. 99, 36. Uh, he's, he's, he's their fourth. He's their fourth, fourth highest, highest rated quarter uh, or commit ever. So huge for Sam Hewer to co- go to Washington. Um, with that being said, they also pulled Kennedy Catholic's number one receiver in uh, Jabez Tenay. So, I mean, huge for their offense. I think Dylan Morris is on his way out, to be honest. He had a respectable year, but this, this Washington team didn't have a quarterback set, really, till uh, that first week. I also think that Washington has high expectations mm. from going from Chris Peterson to Jimmy Lake. And yeah. a lot of people really like Jimmy Lake, I being one of them. But yeah. I think they have high expectations. And I think I've seen some of Sam Heward's uh, high school tape, and that's some scary stuff right oh, there. Yeah. It's, it is. It is. I think, I, I think Washington's been looking towards Sam Heward coming and stepping foot on campus this whole year. I yeah. think that's why it was a huge quarterback battle, but it's a short-lived quarterback battle yeah, because, for sure. I mean, yeah, one of the, one of those guys will probably transfer out or even switch positions. Dylan Morris, Ethan Garbers. So I think Sam Hewitt will step foot on campus and get the start for Washington. Uh, they got two other four-stars committed, Owen Prentice, guard out of Seattle, and Will Latu, an uh, athlete out of Spanaway, Washington. So... Good recruiting class from Washington to go again with some of their other talent. And this Washington football team has been very talented. Again, they technically win the Pac-12 North, should be playing this upcoming week, but isn't. Um, So we'll see. We'll see how this benefits Washington. We'll only touch on two more teams, UCLA and Arizona State, and then uh, just kind of run it through um, 8 through 12. Washington, or sorry, UCLA, only two four-stars, but 13 three-stars. 
with a total of 15 commits. I don't think this will stick. I think they'll they'll or their sixth ranking will stick. I think Arizona State will pass them when all is said and done, and uh, I think they'll finish seventh in the conference. But you got anything on UCLA at all? Not stuff. much. I, I just I think that they're doing a pretty good job of recruiting California because uh, a lot of teams are putting a big emphasis on there, and they're still pulling a lot of recruits out of California. Absolutely. Their top-ranked recruit who signed their LOI today, defensive end out of Saguaro High School in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's Quentin Somerville. I'm uh, pretty good friends with his brother, actually. Went to middle school with him, so not really that good of friends, but he's a good dude. <laughs> I mean, we're Facebook friends, so Jordan, if you're listening to this, man, I might send you, send you a message. message. Quentin's a good recruit, good head on his shoulders, 6'1", 257. This guy decommits for Michigan, flips over to UCLA. Big get for UCLA. I mean, yeah. this guy, again, Saguaro High School in, in Arizona, arguably one of the best high schools in Arizona, mixed with Chandler and Hamilton, some of those yeah. other high schools. Uh, but big, big get for, for UCLA coming in. So That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then let's move on to Arizona State. Arizona State, four four-stars, ten three-stars, and I don't think they're done. Uh, Herm Edwards has mentioned multiple times that this is how he recruits. He said there's 72 pages right now of transfer portal guys and guys who have not committed that they have their eye on. And that's that's how they did it last year. That's how they're going to do it this this year. They pulled in a guy from LSU, Trevez Moore, at the end who uh, did, didn't, wasn't getting too much playing time, but he's got himself a ring, and he saw playing time in that year that LSU won. So they're getting transfer portal guys, and then they're, they're doing pretty well on the recruiting, though. So Yeah. And then going back to Ke- uh, Kennedy Catholic in Washington, Yeah, um, he uh, we got the other uh, – the other wide out down there in Arizona State, down there for Arizona State. Yeah, Junior, junior Alexander. Um, Coach Antonio Pierce said this guy's absolute character, good head on his shoulder, and he'll be a fan favorite personality-wise. So, again, hitting hard on them wide receivers. And then Tommy Hill out of Edgewater in, in Orlando, Florida. Big athlete coming in. I'm really excited to see if you're an Arizona State fan. Jaden Williams. Coach Hearn said when he was watching tape, he said, this guy's the fastest player on the field. This guy's a linebacker. I was watching some of his highlight tape as well, and I'm excited to see what this guy can do. He's only a three-star, about an 88 rate, uh, ranking, but we'll see how much damage he does. It looks like this guy will be one of them three stars who probably should be higher than that when it comes down to potential. I think he's going to maximize his potential, and he'll, uh, he'll get it done for the Sun Devils. Um, so, yeah, that, that touches a little bit on recruiting. Uh, and again, Arizona State is in the mix for Corey Foreman. So when all is said and done, I think ASU will be right up there with the fifth spot, maybe possibly next to Washington. Uh, UCLA will drop to six. Washington could drop to – or UCLA will drop to seven. Washington could drop. And then I think Utah will pull in a few more guys and kind of secure that four spot. Uh, moving on to Washington State, no four stars, 19 three stars. Colorado, no four, no four stars, 18 three stars. Stanford, one four-star, 13 three-stars. U of A, no coach. <laughs> ah, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, U of A. Firing Kevin Sumlin. We'll talk about that later. Uh, no four-stars, thirteen or sorry, 18 three-stars. And then Oregon State, not doing too hot on LOI day. No four-stars and only eight three-stars for a total of eight commits. So that'll wrap up a little bit about recruiting, though. Uh, and yeah, we'll see how things move forward. If we're still doing podcasts by then, by February 2nd, maybe we'll release one talking about everybody's recruiting, uh, when the time comes there. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on to, uh, week six's recap, starting with Arizona state at Arizona territorial cup rivalry week down in the, in, uh, 
in the Dirty Tea of Tucson. ASU came into this game as 11-point favorites. I am sad to say I did not even have them covering the spread. Um, <laughs> they covered it slightly. They just just barely. I mean, they... Only they, by uh, 50-plus points. 63. <laughs> I mean, ASU wins this game 70-7. to seven. You heard that correctly. Unlike the election, that extra zero was no typo. <laughs> that's, that's, no, that's no typo in that score, 70-7. to seven. They beat the Wildcats 70 70- to seven. This was a painful game to watch, honestly. If oh you, my it, gosh. it was it was hard to watch for Arizona. The oh uh, the amount of turnovers there were seven of them, and they were asking ASU to oh give man. them ten. Like it was oh it was a rough game to watch. You start off this game by returning a hundred and five yard kick return. <laughs> the, the the ensuing possession, Gary Brightwell's fumbles on like the five or six yard line, and within the first minute of this ball game, ASU goes up 14-0. I mean, it's, it looked very early on that this team gave up on Kevin Sumlin. And I mentioned early on, again, Kevin Sumlin, I thought he was in the hot seat going into this season. Uh, I thought he wouldn't necessarily get fired because of everything going on at U of A with Sean Miller in basketball. And, you know, he's probably going to have to go really soon quickly. So I thought that, you know, Kevin Sumlin, he'd get another shot, maybe another year. And, and you mentioned it as well with Grant Gannell. That's kind of Kevin Sumlin's boy. Um, but you saw that Grant Gannell turned into – Khalil Tate, he got pulled from this game. Yeah. 42-0, and he pulls Grant Gannell. So yeah. That was weird. I, I I don't know if that was injury or yeah. – because I know he'd been dealing with injuries. I don't know if that was injuries or just he, – he did have a rough day. That's for, that's for oh, sure. Man. But Will yeah. Plummer's day wasn't much better, to be honest. No, we saw three different quarterbacks in this game. Grant Gannell with the start, Will Plummer – back up. In fact, Will Plummer comes in this game. We'll give him a little bit of positive and a little little spark – Little little lightning in a bottle. He scores their one touchdown, um, but it was the running back uh, Wiley who did get it in the end zone for them. Um, and then after Will Plummer gets pulled, I mean, we saw Rhett Rodriguez come into this game, man, Rich Rod's son. So again, seven turnovers. Oh, man, Gary Brightwell, three fumbles lost. Yeah, not not a good day from yeah. them. Not a lot of. You got any positives for? Dude, U of a. I, I was looking for one, but there wasn't much of one. I The closest thing I got was that Gary Brightwell had 50 yards rushing. It was actually 49, but yeah, yeah, it was it was a rough day. And one other thing, I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but have you ever seen a team put up 70 points when you're starting quarterback, throws the ball 11 times? Absolutely not. 11 no. times. It's, it's incredible as well. If you look at the halftime stats in this game – U of A actually had more total yards than ASU at halftime, 252 to 245. And wasn't I, it 42 to 7 at halftime? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's you know, you're, you're up by 35 and you're down by 7 in the overall yards category. That, so Unreal. what does that tell you about this game with, yeah. with these turnovers and how much they killed them? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So when I saw that stat as well, I was like, dude, this is, this is insane. Going back to the QBs. The total QBR of all three quarterbacks that played for U of A was less than Jaden Daniels. Oh yeah, there was it was a rough day all around, and I we can't beat that home enough. Trent, Trent Borgay had a ninety nine point nine man's backup, bro. Um, yeah. So, anyways, again, my only positive for U of A, man. I I've talked to a lot of U of A fans since this game. And the biggest positive that they have is Kevin Sumlin being fired. Paul Rhodes, he takes over as the interim head coach. Uh, but U of A, they've thrown in the towel on this season. Them and Cal aren't playing this upcoming week. The season's over. 
We'll see how that plays out for U of A moving forward. Yeah. Nonetheless, the 0-5 season, again, they were projected to go on 0-10, so they lived up to their name. If you're a U of A fan, you're happy that this game and this season is over with and yeah. Sumlin era is over. So You don't like calling for people's jobs, but, man, this has been a rough stretch for U of A. The commentators, they were calling yeah. it as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Yeah, for sure. I think one thing to note here on a more positive note is how well ASU ran the ball. Oh, yeah. Um, Rashad White had 10 carries for 133 yards and three TDs. That's some video game numbers there. Oh, yeah. Only 10 touches. He's <laughs> getting the ball in three times. Yeah. Just unreal. And then Jaden Daniels, 11, a 9 of 11 for 203 and two touchdowns, again, on only 11 passes. Yeah, huge, huge game offensively for Arizona State. Um, what I what I like from this game is it lo- it always seems like Herm Edwards can't put the nail in the coffin. Now I don't want to I don't want to bash on Herm. I think his game management is actually really good. We saw that with two Michigan State games. We saw that with 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 all of his come from behind games. His clock management really is good, but it drives ASU fans crazy because he's always in these one two possession ball games. And so to see him win by sixty three. He mentioned in his post-game interview, he said, I saw I started seeing some of the same smiles that I did in the fourth quarter against USC. And, and it and I was like, no, this is the this is the hardest I will ever coach these kids being up by so much. Yeah. And so he put the 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 foot on the throat after halftime. Yeah, you're up 42-7. He said, I don't want to, I'm walking up and down the sideline. I don't want to see one smile. Yeah. And I'm really glad that he did that moving forward for Arizona State because to be honest, what I saw in this Arizona State team isn't a one and two football team. You know, th- this is a team that should have beaten USC. You know, probably should have beaten UCLA as well. Should have done a lot more damage if if this weren't a COVID season and there weren't yeah. so many independent variables in this game. So, for sure. And then one more positive that I love to see, your boy Jackson He. Jackson He, man. Them got chi- in the end zone. Them Chinese can ball, man. <laughs> His post-game interview is gold, yeah. if any of you haven't seen it. Yeah. Also, the same day as, um, what's her name from Vanderbilt? Yeah. The Sarah same, Fuller. Yes, yeah, Sarah Fuller and Jackson Heen the same day had a, well, I guess Friday and Saturday, but yeah. big weekend for college football. Yeah, new uh, new historical facts going on in college football. So, again, like Jake mentioned, only 13 passes from Arizona State. 11 of them came from Jaden Daniels. 203 yards, two touchdowns, quarterback rating of 99.1. I actually really did like the play-action pass to keep U of A honest when they were already up 56-7. Um, to Curtis Hodges. It was cool because ASU said, you know, look for the tight ends. Look how we're going to utilize the tight ends. And they did uh, a lot more in Curtis Hodges in this game. So that was cool to see. But again, it was all rushing. Uh, seven total rushing touchdowns for this team. White, Nagata, Trayonum, Daniels, and Jackson He. So, and again, on the defensive side, man. Oh my gosh. Seven turnovers for this team. So, And like I said, they were they were asking for 10. Oh, there yeah. was three... Th- Two dropped interceptions. It's just rough, rough day for U of A. Rough day. Big, uh, big news if you're an ASU fan for sure. This ASU fan gets Lane Kiffin fired, and then now getting <laughs> Kevin Sumlin the boot right after the game. So, anyways, let's go ahead and move on to Utah at Colorado. Colorado leading up to this game was a two point favorite. This is a four and zero Colorado team. So that whole week leading up to this game, they're two point favorites in this game, and then the day of. For whatever reason, Utah's actually a one-point favorite in this game. It was odd. Yeah. So come come Saturday morning, Utah ends up winning this game. You all know what happens. 38-21. to 21. 
what, what do you have on this Utah Utah Colorado game here? The one thing I have to say is last time I was on the podcast, I called this game. Mm. <laughs> Brad, Brad, live it up, bro. What, what you got to say? Mm. I'm just kidding, but yeah, I, I, true. I, I liked Colorado, but I just didn't. It didn't seem sustainable to me. Um, they're, I feel like they're a young team that that needs to mature a little bit. But and yeah, this Utah team kind of just bullied them a little bit. So, but I love the snow games. Can I say I love? I that. don't some bull crap. I love it. It just makes the game so weird, and I love it. I love it. They are kind of funky. Um, Colorado, yeah, I, I think I had them winning thirty-one to thirty. Don't quote me on that. But uh, or I think I had Utah winning thirty-one to thirty. Again, I could be wrong. Either way, Utah not a very good outing from Jake Bentley. A little bit better than his past games: twenty to thirty-two, two hundred forty yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Uh, Ty Jordan, go off, son! My goodness, that kid runs like a man. Yeah, true freshman in this game, man. And 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 even Bernard, uh, he didn't have that good of a game. But Ty Jordan and Bernard are the future of this running back core for Utah. Uh, I mean, Will Moore and. Uh, and Brumfield, Brumfield. Not, they, not they uh, went into the transfer portal. Yeah, yeah, rightfully so, yeah. rightfully so. When you get beat out by a freshman who looks that good, it's kind of hard not to. 17 carries, 147 yards, and two touchdowns. He's got a long run of 66, broke one off. Uh, Utah, a lot, lot to be looked forward to. Like this Arizona State team, I think Utah is a lot better than their 2-2 two and two record. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? Is I think if they if they play USC in the middle of the season, I think they gave them a much better game. Yeah. So yeah. And man, if there's better quarterback play, this this yeah. could be the best team in the Pac-12, in my opinion. Mm. But um, we had a Britton Covey appearance. He had yeah, a touchdown did. this week. Also, it, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go for it. I, just just on Britton Covey. Sorry, real quick. I didn't realize this. I've been joking how this guy's been on the team for like nine years. It feels like it. I didn't re- this guy, Britton Covey, he's gonna be a junior next year. <laughs> he is? This guy's gonna be a junior. This guy, he went on a two-year LDS mission. He came in as a freshman. He had inj- he got an injury right after that or something like that. Then he played his sophomore season last season. And then with COVID, this season counts as a sophomore season again. So he's he's gonna be like a Twelfth year junior, man. Like I, I don't know if you guys follow the NBA with Braun and and Bronny going to the Lakers eventually. I swear, Covey's son's about to play for Utah, man. I, I I know the dude's married. I don't know if he's got a kid or what, but I mean at this rate, dude, it feels like it, man. Covey's, it feels like Covey's he's been there for son, 20, bro, going on twenty years, man. It's, it really it's does. insane, man. But nonetheless, a good game. Nine yeah. receptions, seventy six yards, one touchdown. Uh, but he made a huge impact yeah. on special teams. Yeah, kick returns 88 yards and punt returns 44 yards. Uh, a, a, a positive for Colorado here. I really liked how Sam Neuer was throwing the ball. Really? Especially the way he he was a freaking, was he a corner or safety? Safety. Yeah, he was playing safety last year. And he comes in just dropping dimes, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think he had as good of an outing. I mean, as he has in the past, 16-34, yeah. two touchdowns. Um, he did have some good balls. He did have some questionable balls. There was three balls that I noticed that I was just like, "Wow, that mm-hmm. is a that's a good ball." I yeah. just pointed out some co- positive for Colorado here. Oh, yeah. and then one more thing. Yeah, Brendan Rice. Brendan Rice, son, man, that's of, what son I was of Jerry. Mention. I love it. That's what I was gonna mention, man. This guy, <laughs> this guy is gonna be nice for Colorado. I mean, I watching this game. I watched this with a Utah fan, and he's like, "What the heck is Jerry Rice's son?" 
playing at Colorado for? How did he? How did he end up in Colorado? <laughs> Uh, either way, though, I think he probably really likes that offense that Carl Durrell is, is going for. I mean, he's not the offensive coordinator, there, but I think he really likes the offense, and he's going to settle in real well for Colorado. Again, this is Colorado team put LaVisca Chenault in the NFL. I think yeah. Brennan Rice is next to go for them, uh, and Katie Nixon possibly being a possibility as well. But, yeah, Brennan Rice. He had two big plays today, one one return uh, oh, yeah. for 61 uh, uh, for a TD, and then one 60-yard 61-yard reception for a yeah. TD where he turned on the Jets, dude. The dude's got some wheels, man. And that's the two plays that he had all game. He only yeah. had one reception. But, yeah, man, the dude, the dude's a speedster for sure. And then uh, Colorado's, well, Jarek Broussard, another decent game on the ground, 80 yards. Couldn't get it done, though, against Utah, unfortunately. Colorado's undefeated season comes to an end. With that loss, USC does clinch the Pac-12 South. But you got to give it up to Colorado because I don't think anybody saw this coming. That they, In their last game of this COVID pandemic season, that they would have a shot at the Pac-12 South. And they did. So whatever you got to say about that, congrats to Carl Durrell. If you're a Colorado fan, again, asterisk next to this season, you're happy with what happens. You're probably not very happy about the loss, but, but it's a lot better than you could have asked for. Yes. And you got Jerry Rice's son on your team. So yeah, that's a positive. A lot of things, a lot of things to look forward to for <laughs> yeah, sure. For so. sure. Let's go ahead and move on to USC at UCLA. This game on Saturday, 5:30 p.m. Uh, this game was at the Rose Bowl, not the Coliseum. USC came into this game three-point favorites. They end up winning 43 to 38. USC is now five and zero and Pac-12 South champs. Man. They could just as easily be 0-5. Let's be real here. Yeah, also, also, the fact that the spread is 3.5 against UCLA shows that not USC is not a really legit 5-0 team to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd necessarily say 0-5. I think especially Washington State, that's a dub. Um, even Utah, I think that game's different if Utah doesn't play their first game of the season against USC, who's already established, and that's their third. But that ASU game, that's a loss. U of A, almost U of A, thirty-four to twenty-seven was that final score. You ASU put, just waxed them by sixty-three. So you're telling me that you take that Washington State is a for sure win, but that U of A is that close. You think there's that big of a gap between U of A and Washington State? Because I don't. I think U of A is significantly worse. I do too, but they played them a lot better than Washington State did. I mean, mean, 28 in the first quarter like that? Jaden Delore, I mean, he played worse than all of U of A's quarterbacks combined. That's true. In that game. You know, he showed his true freshman colors. So as far as wins go... I'm not, I'm not saying who's a better team. Washington, okay. Washington State's better than U of A. <laughs> Who played USC better? U of A did. That's true. U of A, U of A, I don't know if they were amped up for that game. I'm just saying. Either way. That but I think in my, in my humble, humble opinion of, I don't know, whatever. But I just, I just think that USC could just as easily be 0-5. Three and two, but I no, I, I see what you're saying though. It, congrats to USC, man! Fight on, Trojan up, whatever it's called. Uh, big game from Keaton Slovis, thirty of forty-seven, five touchdowns, two picks, three hundred forty-four yards. Uh, this whole game, though, receivers, man, dude. 
I, I oh think USC's receivers were the difference in this game. Drake London broke five tackles for a TD. Amon Ross St. Brown freaking eight fools yeah. for a living in this game. Oh, yeah. And then um, uh, Tyler Vaughn's went off as well. Literally, I think yeah. I think that if USC doesn't have that talented of receivers, UCLA wins this game. Oh, yeah. Tyler Vaughn's eight receptions, 128 and a touchdown. Drake London, five of 97, two touchdowns. Amon Ross St. Brown, 10 of 73 with two touchdowns. Uh, this game is... 35-13 to 13 going into the fourth. For UCLA. For UCLA. USC, once again, fourth quarter comeback. I, 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 the only thing that like makes sense to me with this USC team is that it's like a, like a Kansas City Chiefs mentality. We're like, they're bored. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because like, they get down and they're all of a sudden like, we got to play, you know? Yeah. And then they start slinging. Yeah. Like, they just unleash Keaton Slovis. And I mean, you got to give it to Keaton Slovis, I will say. Yeah. The dude has ice in the veins come crunch time. Yeah. I think even most of USC's team, because DTR, he had a good game. I'll jump into his stats in a second. But uh, what's his face? Talanawa Hufunga, big pick in the fourth. Yeah. And, I mean, what they capitalize off that. I know, seriously. You know, 20, 20 to 3 to outscore UCLA. Come back and win this game 43 to 38. That's just impressive. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I just don't, it's so hard to get a grip on this USC team. And then at it's, times they just abandon the run. Yeah. And is, or, or just, or not even use it on the whole game. Yeah. But in this game, Malapai was awesome for 19 touches for 110 yeah. and a tud. So excuse, he was awesome. Excuse my math as well. That was 35 to 23 going into the fourth. That's totally my fault. But yeah, nonetheless, but still, I mean, the whole a, point. A USC, big enough lead man. you shouldn't blow. No, yeah. no. DTR, he finishes this game 30 of 36, four touchdowns, two picks. Picks were costly. Yeah. We saw that. But DTR, a pretty good game. Yeah. Demetric Felton, 21 of 90 on the ground, no touchdowns. Britton Brown is the one who secured that touchdown for him. Dorian Thompson, 10, 10 carries and 50 yards himself. And then receiving Demetric Felton, there he is again. Five receptions, 47 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah. So, I mean, this dude, Demetric Felton, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, I think, and we'll talk about this in a kicking or sticking segment, I think Chip Kelly's off the hot seat. Right. I, I think they sh- they should have won the game, and it doesn't help a case because you know they lose to USC again. But I think he's off the hot seat. I think UCLA should have won the game. They finished three and three on the season. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I'd agree with that. I don't. I think that. I think that people are going to use COVID for good and bad, whatever suits them best. And yeah. I think that. I think that next year he's going to have to prove just as much or that's more it. more than this year. But that's it. But. I think DTR impressed me. I, I did not have that high of an opinion of DTR. I thought no. he was kind of overhyped um, coming into this season. But I did like him in this game. Um, but, again, those turnovers were costly. But we can't give all the praise to Keaton Slovis. He did have two INTs as well. And there was a few balls that he was begging UCLA to pick off. Oh, so, yeah. like, there was it, was it was all over the map. And then... But UCLA, I mean not UCLA, USC does it again in the end of the in the end of the game. They UCLA, love man. those end of the game wins, man. I'll tell you what. Ta- on the defensive side, Talano Hufanga, seventeen total tackles, Jeez. eleven solo. Two of those were tackle for losses. I mean the guy was all over the place. Defensive player of the week for a reason. The guy's nice. So good win for USC, and they finish up five and zero on the year. They moved up to thirteenth, and they I believe they got a forty nine percent chance in the CFP rankings. 
So I, we'll, I think that's a kicking or sticking question as well. <laughs> well. We'll talk about that later, though. But they, they now move up to 13th, Colorado dropping to 25th. Yeah, I, I do have one more thing to say on this game. Um, I uh, kind of called out Amon Ross St. Brown. I don't know if he's listening to this. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Dude. I doubt it, but that would be awesome. He, uh, yeah. I, I called him out saying I had really high hopes for him last time I came on, and then he went and he, scored four touchdowns in a quarter. I actually watching that was thinking of you that same thing, man. He ended up going off for sure. And then he so. had two in this game, so was yeah. that six in the last two games? Oh, for sure. Yeah, the dude went off. He he heard that I had mean things to say about him. Yeah. Let's go ahead and move on to our last game of the week. We got Stanford at Oregon State. Stanford wins this game again, man. Stanford's won their last three now. Stanford came into this game as three-point favorites, and they end up winning 27-24. to What do you got on this game? This game was uh, kind of just stereotypical. One, there wasn't a lot happening in this game. Yeah. But the biggest difference to me in this game is that Oregon State had one turnover, and it was in the worst possible moment yeah. by uh, no by one. poor Chance Nolan, the JUCO transfer. Yeah, I've been giving Chance some uh, chance some love, um, but he actually played really well in this game, 17-30 for 221 and three tuds. Yeah. But that that was that was backbreaking, that, uh, that fumble there. It was after a first town, too, which makes it even rougher. Like, oh, man. And then Stanford goes – back down the field and scores off a field goal after that, and mm. that's the ball game. Oregon State, man. Jamar Jefferson, he's back. Tristan Jebby is obviously not back. But even then, Jamar Jefferson, 18 carries, 80 yards. But but that is a bad game for Jamar Jefferson. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is kind of disgusting. That's, that, that's that is. so disappointing. <laughs> if Jamar Jefferson, if your running back's running for 80 yards and you're like, ah, he sucks. I, I don't know. He sucked. Obviously, we don't know about covid situation but right. but if that guy is even 90 percent healthy yeah. i'm running that dude into the ground man. oh yeah i'm running that dude 25 times at least yeah. give that you, when a dude is that good you got to give him the ball more in my opinion yeah i mean this is another one of those games oregon state's up 21 16 going into the fourth only for stanford to score 11 to oregon state's three and, and come back and win this game uh, on the other end, at, at running back, though, Austin Jones, man, 22 carries, 126 yards, some some good ground game there. And then when it comes to receiving, Fahoko, man, I like that guy. He yeah, gives he gives uh, the greatest last name in college football. A run for his a money. A run for his money, man. <laughs> Cyrus Abibilikio did not play this week, but uh, he's got He's got a mention in every podcast, I'm Always, sure. dude. Always. <laughs> um, but Fahoko, I mean, yeah, six receptions, 110 yards. Looks like he's Davis Mills' go-to guy. It seems yeah. like when they need to play, Fahoko, he's come up big yeah. for them. Davis Mills, 21 of 29 in this game, one touchdown uh, and 292 yards in the air. This Stanford team, man, I, I'm not gonna. We're not jumping into the kicking or sticking segment yet, and it, it's a question we'll talk about. Um, but I, this may be David Shaw's finest coaching feat in his stellar career. I, I I'd love to agree with you, man, but I, I just can't. <laughs> when you say that, all I can see is Aaron, uh, not Aaron, Andrew Luck and Christian McCaffrey just yeah. staring me and being like, do you really want to say that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously they're only three and two. But of the five games, Stanford's, four of those were away games. And 
due to local health regulations in Santa Clara County. I mean, they've had to practice out of state at various high schools, even a freaking park. You know what I mean? Yeah. Only to win their last three games. They're projected four and two. They're they're only three and two. Um, they're projected to lose to Washington, Oregon. Uh, their first two games didn't look very good. You know what I mean? Lost a close one, I believe, Colorado, 35-32. But either way, I think David Shaw's done a great job with this Stanford team. Oh, no it, doubt. And especially in a season, how do you motivate guys when you're like, okay, we've lost our, our first game. This whole asterisk season is some bull crap anyways. So how, are, how, how do you get your guys to be motivated and play and, and come back and win their last three games like that? I don't know, but he's good. He yeah. is good at it. And yeah. he, and Stanford always plays above expectations. That's when you, that's a sign of a good coach, in my opinion. And yeah. I think David Shaw is a I very mean, good coach. The dude's got two Rose Bowl wins for a reason and three yeah. top ten finishes for a reason. Yeah. Dude's 89 and 36 as a coach for Stanford. So again, if you're if you're Stanford fans and you're like, okay, you know, this season's some bull crap, anyways. Um, you're happy that you win the last three games. You see them turn it around a little bit. And so, I mean, again, it's it's not a good season, not a bad season, but you're a little bit higher, especially. In I think you got some promising three, so. things, though, because uh, I like I like what Austin Jones has been doing. He's had two good weeks in a row. Yeah, he has. He definitely has had some. Again, Austin Jones against uh, Washington. I mean, they, they got the win there. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, a, so, big, that's a big that's win. That's a big game. What, 31-26 last week? Yeah, Austin Jones on the ground. That was, that was huge. That was in Seattle, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, that so, was a big win. Man, I mean, it, good things to look up if you're Stanford. Again, jumping back to Oregon State as well on the defensive side. Omar Spates, only seven tackles. I think the guy had like 30 bajillion last game. And then uh, Avery Roberts, only four <laughs> tackles. That guy also had a bajillion last game. Uh, so, yeah, Oregon... On the, on the de- Oregon State on the defensive side, not as productive, but uh, still, you know, you're two and four in the conference and you won the Civil War. So yeah. it's a success on the season. You know, those rivalry games, I mean, they, they make or break season. So. And going back to your, your David Shaw thing, I, uh, I think that this game was almost identical by these games, by these teams. Like, um, Counting the ball, is that yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, like, yeah. like Stanford had 458 yards total. And, oh, yeah. And Oregon State had 408. The time of possession was 29 to yeah. 30. Like, David yeah. Shaw getting the win in the close games. I think that's, that's – I huge. think, honestly, when it comes down to, like, those closer games, I think coaching has a big impact on that. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're definitely right, though. And I do like David Shaw as a coach for sure, so – Big game for Stanford again. You're happy with the with the win in the last game of the season there. So and your boy Davis Mills twice on the ground. Davis Mills, yeah, dude. Who knew he got wheels? Davis Mills, <laughs> my man Mills, bro. Okay, um, let's go ahead and move that. That that wraps up the week six recap there. Let's go ahead and move on to our kicking or sticking segment. This segment will be a weekly recurrence. It'll consist of a series of bold statements that are formed after watching each weekend's worth of games that we're either kicking or sticking with. This first question has to do with uh, the Washington game being canceled. So first question, now that Washington is canceled, the, uh, this Pac-12 championship game, the conference should just award USC the championship. Kicking or sticking? I'm kicking this one. I like, I like conference championship games, and I think they're part of winning a conference championship. Yeah. Uh, really, yeah, we're going to jump through this kicking or sticking segment pretty quickly. I'm going to go ahead and kick this one as well, mainly because Oregon gets amped up for these games. Oregon loses to ASU last year in a heartbreaker. 
ASU ends up winning that game, and they still go and just absolutely destroy Utah. So and Utah had high hopes that year. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and, yeah. So I, I mean, I don't want to give you my prediction, but I have Oregon winning this conference championship. Dang. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think Oregon might get you pumped bold, up for this bold. game. So despite being what three and two. I think yeah. I think uh, you shouldn't just necessarily give it to USC because again, I think SC could very well be three and two, and you think they could be zero and twenty. So, okay, um, okay. Uh, second question. Moving on to ESP uh, to SC. ESPN has USC thirteenth rank with a forty nine percent chance to make the playoffs, ahead of number four Clemson at forty five percent and number five Texas A and M at thirty four percent. Even with a resounding Pac twelve championship win against an unranked Oregon team. USC will not make the playoffs. Kicking or sticking? Sticking. There's no way USC's good, dude. Yeah? Not with a three-and-a-half-point uh, spread against UCLA. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think uh, I, I was really surprised to see um, them bump up to that 49% mark for sure. I mean, I saw one poll that had them getting into that four spot over Clemson, yeah. and I was like, there's no way. Yeah, there's there's no way. Um, I, I think them playing Oregon, even if they were to win, that hurts their chances that they're playing Oregon and not Washington. Because everybody knows it should be Washington this year. Yeah. So I think that definitely does hurt. So I'm going to go ahead and stick with this. I don't think SC makes the playoffs, even if they beat Oregon. Also, if you want to look at a game to put them out as the U of A game. Yeah, I think that I think that hurts to to only win by one touchdown against an zero and five U of A team that just um, got blown out on national television. Yeah, that hurts. Uh, question number four, no, sorry, question number three. Outside of the championship game between Oregon and USC, the conference should just end the season. Kicking or sticking? I'm kicking just because yeah. I want to see the uh, a Pac-12 championship game. I think they're fun to see, but. Uh, at the same time, I see where this is coming from, and but I but I but I'd like to see a conference championship game. Um, this is this is tough. I mean, we already know that we only have at at most four games. Washington obviously had to cancel. Oregon State's dealing with injuries. U of A and Cal canceled. Um, so I'm I'm gonna go ahead and kick this as well because I think there is a lot to gain from this as far as te- uh, recruits seeing your team again. LOI day is today, but there's still a lot of uncommitted recruits out there who want to see yeah. certain teams play. I also think the Pac-12 mailing it in is a bad message to send nationally. Yeah. Because the Pac-12 is already so looked down upon yeah. compared to the other Power Fives that you mail it in, I think that is just a very negative look. And yeah. obviously we want any chance possible to get a Pac-12 team in to the, to the big dance. Yeah. That needs to be bigger dance. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> okay, so question four. Uh, the biggest surprise on offense this year is Colorado quarterback Sam Neuer. Kicking or sticking? Um, I'm going to kick this one. Yeah. Um, I, I like the freshman out of Utah, Ty Jordan. I think that he has... He shocked me, first of all, um, but yeah. uh, but I do like Sam Neuer. I, I, I already gave him some love today, but I think I think I'm going to go with Ty Jordan. I I didn't have Sam Neuer projected doing. I'm going to go ahead and kick this. I I definitely didn't have Sam Neuer obviously playing quarterback necessarily. So for her him to convert uh, from quarterback to safety back to quarterback and losing a little bit of ground there, um, that is very surprising. I don't think it's as surprising, like you said, as Ty Jordan. But I would also throw in Demetrik Felton in there. That's true. I didn't think Demetrik Felton would go off like he has this yeah. year. 
Uh, even Drake London. I mean, I had that's Tyler Vaughns and that's Amon Ross St. Brown being kind of those lead receivers, and Drake London's come out of not necessarily nowhere, but I'm just surprised at how well he has played He's as well. He's become Keaton Slovis' favorite target. Yes. So, uh, biggest surprise on defense this year is Roy Lopez Jr. out of Arizona, kicking or sticking? Kicking. Kick. I got Keone Dang out of Cal. Mm, he is good. In fact, he is very surprising as well. I'm going to go ahead and say Roy Lopez Jr. I'm going to stick with this one. Uh, I mean, pro football focus has him as the top graded interior lineman. I think he, again, this is 0-5 U of A team who you really can't show a lot of love to, but he's definitely a little spark for U of A for sure. Um, for him to transfer over and, and do pretty good work um, individually, not obviously as a team, but I, I definitely was not surprised for him to do as well as he has. So I'm going to go ahead and say that is the biggest surprise on defense this year. Um, question number six, Chip Kelly is off the hot seat. Kicking or sticking? I'm kicking this one. No way. <laughs> Sorry, go. go I am. Because uh, we, we spoke about this earlier, but... I think that COVID is going to be used for negative or positive, however people see it benefiting them. And I think that next year he's going to have to prove just as much as this year, in my opinion. I'm going to go ahead and stick with this one as well. I mean, UCLA, they didn't finish with the greatest record necessarily. Oh, whoops. Sorry about that. They didn't finish with the greatest record necessarily. But, I mean, DTR, what, what he's doing at Cal is pretty good. And then at UCLA with, oh, yeah. or sorry, sorry with UCLA, but in comparison to Kevin Sumlin, the whole the whole world sees what's going yeah, on with true. Kevin Sumlin, and those are the two coaches who are pretty much on the hot seat coming in. Yeah. And Chip Kelly has done a lot better than Kevin Sumlin, not necessarily good, but oh my gosh, you I know think you're I mean? also comparing UCLA and Arizona though. True, true, and I mean Arizona's really really not good, <laughs> but uh, I think I think he's off the hot seat, and I I think. Next year, I don't think. Uh, I mean, unless they go O, O and whatever, you know, I, I then he's on back on a hot seat. But yeah, I, I don't have him on the hot seat anymore. It's getting to the point where every coach is on a hot seat if they even have one bad season. So yeah, I mean, it true. just depends on what he does next Good year. Good point. Good point. And obviously, they should have beaten SC in that game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Being outscored 23 in the fourth. So a good a good showing necessarily, but obviously yeah. coming up short. I think ASU is a big win for them though. Yeah. Yeah. 25-18 there. So, question number seven, Jackson He, Arizona State running back, like eighth string running back from China. He's a, he's a preferred, or not a preferred walk-on, he's a non-scholarship walk-on, seeing his first action in a game at all, and he scored a touchdown in that game. Jackson He's touchdown is more historic than Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt's kicker, Sarah Fuller's extra point kick. Kicking or sticking? I'm kicking. I think Sarah Fuller is uh, more drastic but both of them are very yeah. historical in my opinion yeah i do too that that's that's a really tough one that's a really tough question to kind of think about obviously two big stories in college football espn's covered both of them i'm gonna go ahead and stick with this one though um only because i mean the football in china come on that's it's obviously not as that's good true. here um it's again he's a non-scholarship walk-on he's also in a rivalry game granted u of a is super bad but at the same time, Sarah Fuller is a heck of a soccer player. You know what I mean? That's she true. can she can boot the ball. That's true. Um, and this guy more sh- more shocking probably. Yeah. Than so, I'm gonna go ahead and say Jackson. But historical, I, in my opinion, it's, it's Sarah Fuller. That's a good point. That's a good point. But them Chinese can ball, man. So, <laughs> is what it is. You know what I'm saying? It is what it is. 
Uh, that, that wraps up our kicking or sticking segment. So I think we only got one more last week and then we'll wrap that segment up for sure. But let's go ahead and move on to the conference championship and the other games that are being played this upcoming week, uh, along with our predictions for them. So first game we got Oregon at USC conference championship Friday, December 18th, 6 PM mountain standard time on Fox. Uh, again, USC comes into this game as uh, three point favorites. And, uh, what, what do you got? What do you got in this game? I got USC. Contrary to everything I've said in this podcast, I have them forty-two to thirty-five. Forty-two to thirty-five. But with some uh, with some USC luck slash magic in the end. See, and this this answers my kicking or sticking question from earlier. I don't have USC winning this game. I and I'll tell you my reasoning why is I think Oregon will be amped up for this game and win this game. I think their loss to a rival in Oregon State, that's Oregon flat out played bad. Clearly, they're not the Oregon that they usually are. I think that game against Cal was a complete hangover. It's kind of a joke that they're in right now over Washington, but I think it's a huge blessing, and they're like, oh, dude, we have something to play for. You saw that against Utah last year. And so for that reason, I think Oregon, they've got incredible talent, and I think they're going to find a way to get it done against USC, and I'm going to have them win this game 38-33. to difference is they had uh, Justin Herbert last year. Yeah, he didn't do much against ASU, though, so... That's true. Actually, he did end up having three touchdown passes. Or in, like, four. in like two seconds. Okay, so. <laughs> uh, moving on. Games that really don't matter that much, but we'll report on them anyways. Washington State at Utah. This game's on Saturday, 11.30 a.m. on FS1. Uh, Jaden Delore versus Jake Bentley. Who you got in this game? What you gotta do, Utah and Washington State like that? Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter as much, man. Conference championships already there. Who do you got in this game? I got uh, Utah, and I got them pretty big, 42-24. And there's a ten and a half spread on that, so it's just a little bit more than that. I'm so Utah covers. So I got Utah winning this game and covering only by half a point. I got them winning twenty-eight to seventeen. Stanford at UCLA. UCLA comes in as seven-point favorites. This game's at 5 p.m. on ESPN. What do you have in this game? I got UCLA winning but not covering 35-31. Okay. I went, I went back and forth on this game. I had Stanford winning, then I had UCLA winning, then I had Stanford winning. Because um, I think Stanford's rolling. But I'm going to say UCLA ends up winning this game. They don't cover I think DTR and that high-potent offense with, with Demetric Felton, even Britton Brown, I think UCLA is going to win this game, but not cover 38-34. to 34. Last game of the week as well, 8.30 p.m. on ESPN on that Saturday. ASU comes in as 7.5-point favorites at Oregon State. What do you got in this game? I got ASU winning and covering 35-24. I think that ASU is going to be up for this game because they lost last year to Oregon State at Oregon State. And this is like <laughs> this is like ASU's second game of the year, pretty much. This is like because they've already had two first first games, and then they had yeah. Then they played Arizona tough last week, and then I think I think ASU wins this game. I, I've got ASU winning and covering 37-24. to A couple things worth mentioning, though. This game should be played in Arizona, man. Why are they traveling to Corvallis to play a night game in negative 50-degree weather like this? I think both teams are just going to run the ball. Yeah. You know, I think it's going to be Rashad White and uh, Chip Trayonum versus Jamar Jefferson. Yeah. So I don't think both teams are going to be able to pass, let alone be good enough to pass. 
And uh, so I, I do have ASU winning this game. But, again, like you mentioned, they did lose last year. And then, I mean, put it back to 2014 as well. You know, they had a sixth ranked against against uh, Notre Dame, come off a big win, and they go up to Corvallis in terrible conditions, and they lose. So, obviously, new coaching staff, new players, just something to keep in mind, though. Could this weather affect them? Yes. So we'll see. Um, but that wraps it up, man. That concludes the Pac-12 Delve into the 12 podcast. Big conference championship ahead. Be sure, be sure to tune in next week as we'll cover more of that game on the podcast. Thank you again to Jake Mordu for joining me. I ordered him a wheelchair off Amazon and had it expedited <laughs> on over uh, for him so he can wheel out to his car as well as a therapist so he'll actually have someone to complain to about his muscle soreness. <laughs> Uh, but it's always good to have you on, man. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. awesome. Six weeks down, a conference championship to go. One coach fired, an LOI date in the books. I'm Spencer Jarvis, and we will see you guys next week. Now, just picture me, Hollywood living.